Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. dad on. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Dad's Path Podcast. I'm Will Bronstein. Today we're here with Scott Ramage from Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast and the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group, so you should check that out. And thank you for joining us, Scott. I'm really excited to dive in here. Thank you, Will. It's an honor to uh, be a guest. I love it. Well, hopefully you'll feel that way at the end, too. (laughs) (laughs) As a podcaster, my favorite thing is to be on other people's toasts. So it's kind of a funny thing. Nice. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. So first, I mean, Brotherhood of Fatherhood. So I love the name. And just looking from your site, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood is a resource to help men be better pillars in their household, work, and community. I love that. It's like, yes, it sounds great. Where do I start though, right? It also, it also sounds like overwhelming, you know? So as a new dad, like what's step one there? You know, where do you? <laughs> and that's a really, really loaded question because the Brotherhood of Fatherhood was birthed out of two kind of two things happening. One, when my first son was born, I decided I was going to dive into the entrepreneurial world. So very entrepreneurial. I was also an educator. And so I was working full-time as a teacher and I decided to open a, a brick and mortar business. So it was really born from that history where you fast forward six years, I believe. I now had two kids and I was working 100 hours a week. And all my free time was built, air quotes, you know, building my business. And so that's kind of like the precipice of the event and the Scott that emerged out of that failure is what I would call it, out of that failure and kind of grew from there. The second part that created this whole thing was my good friend, Josh Price, who is kind of like my wingman, uh, or I'm his wingman, I don't know, but we, we became fast friends and he was a father of a young son and was dealing with some stuff. And about a year into our friendship, he said, man, you, do you realize you're my parenting mentor? And I'm like, oh, you know, and he's like, I have learned so much from you. And he had done quite a lot. He talked to me a lot about the mistakes he was making with his wife and his son because it was just where he was at in life. And through that and me wanting to create something for men that I wanted when I was that age and needed when I was that age with young kids is where the birthing of the brotherhood of fatherhood came. So to actually answer your question, I didn't answer your question, to actually answer your question I believe that the absolute best way we can be fathers is to be incredible husbands if we're married, incredible partners, and create a foundation in our home where there's stability, love, um, the ability to fail and not hide from that and learn from our mistakes. But I believe that all of that exudes into everything we do. And that's why I say our community and our work, because the better we become as husbands, partners, parents, the better we are going to be everywhere. Yeah. Wow. That's, there was a lot there, like highly dense. I need to, I'm going to have to listen to that again, (laughs) slow down, but there's a lot. I didn't realize your story quite. And I want to maybe stop there and unpack for a second, because it sounds like you had two, like you said, pushes, an external one from a, you know, your wingman or his or whatever, you know, your, your friend. Yeah. And then an internal one. And I want to, I want to dig into that internal one a little bit. You said you were you know, air quotes, working 100 hours a week. So I guess that means it wasn't, you weren't really working or wasn't that efficient or what? 
I was efficient. I was working. What I, the air quotes was working for my family, but really I wasn't working for my family because I was only working. I would get up at around 4.30 in the morning before anybody in my house was awake. I would go to the gym, come home, get ready, go to my business, get it ready for the day, go to school, teach, come back, go to the business. And then I would get home 7.38 or 9 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. And this was with a like a, when I first started a zero year old to six. And then with my second, he at that time would have been, you know, like four. And so I was working all of the time and I thought I was doing it for my family. And then the other piece of that is when I did have time off, it was actually a bicycle shop. It was very successful. It grew very fast. I had, I think, five to seven full time employees, depending on the time of year. But when I wasn't working, I was out riding with everybody building that community and so I was just 100% absent. My wife and I, we started, you know, we we're just basically living parallel lives where she was taking care of the kids in the household and I was doing my own thing. Gotcha. And what changed? So I came home one night. I call these Mack truck moments, you know, basically hit by a truck. I came home one night and, you know, I really don't, you can call it a God moment, call it whatever you want. But I walked in, the lights were off. I like the vision in my head is so incredibly clear still. The lights were off in the house. We had, a, I walked in like right into the dining room. We had a door that went right in the dining room. And there on the table, this never happened before, was my place setting, empty. And the house was completely dark and everyone was asleep in bed. And at that very minute or moment, I'm like, what in the world am I doing? I just went an entire day and haven't seen anybody in my house. And here I am coming home with the evidence that I wasn't home for dinner. And I don't know why my wife left the table setting out. She never did that. She doesn't remember that. But it was just that moment. And what I did, Will, is I went and talked to my wife. And I said, not that night, but after that, I said, something's got to change. I, do, I feel like we're headed for a disaster and I'm not doing what I need to do. Something's got to change. So we went and sought counsel. And at that time, the counsel was um, somebody that owned a business. And they said, hey, well, like, stay with the stable job, which was teaching and sell your business. And so that was the moment that this started. But what happened was I found an, a buyer. I found a buyer for my business. And the way that businesses like that run, you run on a credit cycle. So you do these big orders, preseason orders. And then they were all like about to ship in the 11th hour, literally. It was either the day of or the day before. I can't remember. I just remember the conversation. The buyer who had done all the work said, I'm out. I changed my mind. And I had not liquidated any inventory, had not done anything. So we literally, my wife and I put our heads together. I'm like, we literally now, because of the sales and inventory cycle, have $350,000 in debt if we close this down immediately. And we did. I closed it down immediately and took on uh, over a quarter million dollars of debt <laughs> overnight wow. as a teacher. But I was so determined to get out of that cycle I didn't, at that point, I didn't have the tools I have for time management and management and organization and leadership structure to change it and keep it, but not be the guy that was always there. I wasn't developed that enough, but all I cared about was getting time back with my wife and kids. And so we took on that debt. We've just eventually paid it off. That was in 2009 when we took that debt on. And so it's been a bit of a, a bit of a burden. Yeah. But that was the that's that's where this all stems from. And and will to be honest, I thought that I was going to fix everything, but here's the truth and I want men to hear this who might be working a lot right now is you have to be very persistent and you have to be very forgiving of yourself because I, the next 2 years of my life 
where literally I had no clue how to spend time with my family. I was depressed. I gained a bunch of weight. I didn't know what to do when I was sitting there with my kids. I'd walk them to the park and I just kind of remember feeling numb, just letting them play. I did try to stay off my phone, but I was just kind of there. And it took me two years to start to really be able to function again and learn. And, and that whole span of time is the reason I do brotherhood. I don't want other guys to make the mistakes I made. Yeah, no, it's... This might not be the smartest thing financially, but I'm going to take on this debt because it's the smartest thing mentally, emotionally, and for my family. And you did it. And you're on the other side of that now. You know, and and as you're saying, I mean, you look great, you sound great. It, it seems like it, it was absolutely the right choice, even though it might not have felt so easy at the time, or I'm sure there were challenges, you know? Yeah, and this is, I think what's happened is it gives me a lot of empathy. What I find inside of my Facebook group is a lot of men come when they're in turmoil, when there's nowhere else to go. Because they'll say, I would put this on my, my personal post, but it's too raw, it's too deep. And what I found is that's really what we've become is like, guys, I am at this place right now. I am at this place of frustration with my kids. I am at this place with my wife. You know, we just had our second baby and we're not clicking or the hormones are out of control or my kids are screaming, all these things and they're coming. And, and I'm like, man, if I would have had this resource where I wasn't tied to someone in the community that would, I felt would judge me. I had this group of men and there was, there was wisdom there. There's wisdom there. Like I just hands off. I watched the the answers come in, right? When people ask their questions and I have my answer, but usually someone else will come with it. And then you get different experiences coming in and it's a, it's a really beautiful synergy of this stuff. And then there's some really bad advice, but that's, that's where I get to come in and say, okay, whoa, 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 you know, but it's something I wish I had had a safe, a safe place to go and, and air what's going on and say, help, I need help. Yeah, no, I think that's missing from a lot of dads and fathers and a lot, of, a lot of people's lives, I should say, is just that quote unquote brotherhood, a place where you can feel safe. Digging into that for a minute, you know, as a dad myself, I have friends, friends who are dads, mostly, you know, some, some single, but what's the difference between that and a brotherhood in your mind? Or how do you build that brotherhood? I, mean, I know I can join your Facebook group and, and I will, but, you know, kind of in real life, the face to face what have you found that kind of that works there? Or? This is a really good question because it's what I was really struggling with because I'd moved from my home in Oregon. My wife and I raised our kids in Oregon early on and that's where my bike shop was. And then we went through a thing. I got, I finally created a business that dug us out of that ditch of debt. most of the debt, was very successful, quit teaching, opened a gym. And then, so I have this huge community in Oregon. It's where I was raised. I went to grad school on the East Coast, but it's where I was raised. It's where I was you know, my foundation was I had people at my corner, you know, parents on within two blocks each way, best friends everywhere. And I'm picked up and we moved my family to Texas. We sold the business. We moved family to Texas. And here I am, nobody. And I started doing virtual. I, I, I did some corporate work and then I started doing virtual work and I felt lost. I felt like I've got all these people I know online, but I don't have anything closer. And that's, when I met Josh, you know, who does the brotherhood with me, we became really tight. When we met each other in person is when that happened. We actually met each other in Sweden at a show. Um, and then and then we started calling every day and I started to create a deeper connection. And so this is a it's it's a long trajectory because I'm two and a half years into the brotherhood of fatherhood. But when I go and meet one of these men in person, it's a whole new level. 
So the online community is a starting place. It's not like dating. It's like testing the waters. This guy have the same values as me. Does he appreciate the things that I appreciate? Is there synergy? Is there help back and forth? And so the guy I'm doing this event with next week for our first brotherhood event up in Montana, I'd never met him. I met him through podcasting in the Brotherhood of Fatherhood group. My son and I, we did like this, uh, he turned 18. So we did this massive road trip together, 5,000 miles. And um, we, we ended up kind of at the furthest point, really far north in Montana where he lives. And it was just like literally like I was walking into my best friend's house that I'd knew, known my entire life. And that's what I want other men to have. And, and um, every time I meet one of these guys that I've met through the brotherhood and started to, or through the podcast, and a lot of these guys I'll have on the podcast to tell their story. It's a whole nother level of connection. The beauty of it is then they're not in my backyard. They're not here. And I know this is really weird, but the connection, when you do make the effort to get together, it is very close and tight. And it really, it's different than somebody living in your backyard or in your town. It, it, I, I can't explain it. You have to have the in-person, but also that distant. There's something for men that's really safe with having men distant, but you can also jump right into something that they need face-to-face when it's time. Yeah, I know that that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, it's piggybacking on that point. You know, I have, I have friends here in, in Colorado who, um, you know, will go periods where we'll talk on the phone a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, say similar things in person. You know, so then we'll see each other in person. We'll have a similar conversation. But at the end of that in-person one, I just feel like a weight is off my shoulders. I just feel so much better. Like, hey, we just had a real connection and talk. And I think it's easy to lose that. And, you know, we just went through the whole, some of us went through different COVID things where you're isolating or you're on Zoom or you're on, you know, and I think from a, we all know this, but it's important. It's so important. We should say it like the physical being with someone, you can't beat that. No, you can't. You just can't beat it. No, you know? no. And and that's why I'm doing the event because there's guys, what I found is that the guys are coming, they're having to work hard to get to this event, by the way, but they're coming because they need that now. I mean, in fact, it's so odd, Will. Um, I think four of them are either selling or just sold their businesses. And they all have the same story. They all have the same story I had is we were so wrapped in our identity was so wrapped in our business, in our, what we do for a living. That's another thing I'm incredibly passionate about is that they're lost. They're like, Scott, I don't know who I am or what I'm supposed to do. I, I needed to get rid of my business. I just sold it. And I'm just feeling like I'm a wanderer. And that's what I felt when I closed down the bike shop. I felt like I had zero identity. And men so frequently will wrap their identity in what they do for a living, as opposed to um, the bigger things like wrapping it into, I am here to raise future adults who are successful and, and vibrant in the community and, you know, have wonderful relationships. I have these bigger things and we, we so frequently cap ourselves at wrapping our identity in our work. And so now I get this reciprocative opportunity to look them in the eye and say, hey man, I get where you're at, I've been there, but you are not your work. And you are, your identity is not your issues. Those two things are so huge with men. Your your issue is your identity or your work is your identity. And those are totally, totally wrong because they will lead you down the wrong paths. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, that's spot on. That's spot on. And, you know, to the people who sold their business, you know, congratulations, if it's a good sale and, you know, to you who shut it down wasn't ideal, but those were all decisions that you guys had to make 
So how do you get, how do you stop before you get to that point? Because that's kind of a ripcord. Again, it could be a great outcome, but it's still a ripcord kind of event. And so I, I, you know, kind of a two-part question, how do, you, how do you stop it before it gets too out of whack? And then attached to that is it takes a lot of time to run a business, oh, right? Man. So how do, we, how do we deal with time management knowing there's X hours in the day and your family needs Y hours and you need to sleep for Z, you know, all that sort of thing. How do you keep that balance? But yeah, you just hit on two super passionate points of mine. So how do you how do you stop that pattern? One, you identify it, and that's really my goal: tell stories, listen to stories, and just scream it from the mountaintops. Like, look at your life, investigate your life as it stands right this minute. And um, I say all the time: you do be relentless in your self auditing. Audit your day. What conversations did you have? Who did you spend your time with? Did you leave work at work? So those are the, the daily audit. Daily audit and weekly audit for me are things I talk about all the time, things I do all the time. So I have non-negotiables. For me, and I don't push this on anybody, but I'm very clear on this. For me, my number one is I spend time in the Bible and devotion. Then my number two is my wife. And so I make sure that I have undivided attention with my wife. And I pretty much have like a 30-minute per day like there's nothing else going on. It is laser focused. And I would, I would challenge most men that they don't do that much time. Um, oh, yeah. Then I, it, there's a minimum of five minutes undivided, conversational, deep focus on each of my kids. Again, it may not sound like a lot, but it's a lot. There's more time spent with them, but this is undivided. How are you? What are your challenges? And then what you really have to do is get rid of the time thing. And think, okay, so I'm working a lot right now. I'm building a, a new branch of the business. I'm working, you know, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. It's not that time. It's to make sure I get all those other things I talk about in. And that when I am not working and when I am focused on my family, I am dialed in. I am 100% dialed in. That is so hard to do. I fail every single day. But it is something that I'm striving for. And I think every man needs to strive for it. And a lot of, a lot of people will say, well, I drive home from work and I'm just beat. I don't want, and you come in the house, you've been making decisions all day. You come in the house, your wife needs you to help make decisions. Well, she's been making decisions if she works or if she doesn't on a different level as well. So what I teach men is like, hey, when you pull up to your house, have a breathing routine, have a statement you say in your head and touch something and leave it all behind. So for me, it's box breathing. Do one round of box breathing, the four in, four hold, four out, four hold. I do a couple rounds of that. I don't drive anymore, but this is what I would do. I make an out loud statement. I still do this when I walk out the door of this office. I'll say, what can I do to best serve my family now? That is my cue to leave everything else behind. And I say it out loud, and then I touch the door on the way out. For men, if they're getting out of their car, touch a tree, touch a pillar on the house, do something, I'm leaving it behind. Those physical actions make a difference in your brain. That box breathing actually allows your brain to make that switch so that when you go in the house, you're actually ready to serve. And you're not just going to sit on the couch and drink a beer and tune out the TV. Nobody needs that. That doesn't help you at all. And then that moves into the time management. And that's a deep hole. I've been working on time management and productivity for three years, like full on studying it. And I've created my own systems in my own way that I don't forget anything. I make sure things are done and I, I strategize and I choose what's on top. But really, Will, what it comes down to is when it's time for family, it's time for family. Put the phone away, make that practice something. And then I challenge my family to put the phones away 
and we eat dinner every time we possibly can. It's at least three times a week we eat a family dinner. No phones allowed. But um, time management is a super hard one. But you got to be relentless in taking care of yourself. If you have a, if you have to get up super early and you have a long commute to work, don't waste that time listening to talk radio or news radio. Use that time learning something. Listen to your podcast. Uh, listen to an audio book that's going to help you with your mindset. Just quit wasting time. Entertainment is, is not growing you. No source of entertainment is growing you except for the stuff that you do in person, like with your wife. If you're, you know, you go to a concert, you need that stuff. But the personal all by yourself entertainment is a lie. I truly believe that that as relaxation is a 100% lie. Like if you're by yourself, you should be growing or producing. And yeah, I'm just going to be like, I just don't watch TV on my own. I'm either going to be watching something I'm learning about or I'm going to be doing something productive me, if I actually have time, I'll put on my pack, I'll go for a rock, but I'm listening to a podcast or I'm doing um, some some planning and I have my phone and I talk into it. And um, But I I just think men waste time. I, I'm even going to go as far as sports. Like we love our sports and yes, you should watch them, but it should be very contained and you should be like, this is 100% a waste of time unless I'm bonding with other people at that moment. And I know that's harsh. I know that's going to fall hard on other people's ears. Even with your kids with you, it might be okay uh, depending on how they like it, but really audit. That audit is going to make you really define and decide if you're spending your time wisely. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, and that I think is a key to, you know, some people who seem to have more than 24 hours in a day or seem to get a ton done. It's, well, we all have the same amount of time. It's how you use that time. It is. Yeah. And, and prioritization is huge. I, like I said, I have a whole system where I write down, I don't write it down. I capture it in my phone and then I don't, just because it's in there doesn't mean you do it. You reprioritize like, oh, that. And I find that those things that I move from one bucket, my daily bucket into my, what I call my inbox and I go to my inbox every day and I look at it, I'm like, still don't need to do that. Still don't need to do that. Still don't need to do that. Okay, I can get rid of that. I don't need to ever do that because I used to just do everything that came in front of me. I just do it, go do it. Now everything goes into a bucket and I evaluate it. And I found that I'm saving probably thousands of hours a, a year, not doing things that don't matter. Even for a, like if a boss says, and I had this, I was contracting for a guy. He's like, let's, we need to do that. And I would go do it. I'd have it ready the next day or the next meeting. He's like, yeah, I changed my mind. So I learned, and I think that happens to a lot of people. It's like, do a second check. Put it aside there for a second, unless he's like giving you a timeline, he or she. And then say, okay, hey, we talked about this yesterday. I'm just wondering what the priority of that is because I want to make sure that I put it in the right place in what I'm doing. Don't just make assumptions because so many times we do things, we're spinning our wheels instead of evaluating, all right, these are the four non-negotiables today for my work. How am I going to get those done? Now, if you do get them done, beautiful. You go back to that inbox. You say, ah, late. hey, here's all these things. What's the most important? I have an hour. Boom, I'm going to pull it down. I'm going to get it done. I feel amazing. So uh, it's really important to, to shuffle, prioritize, and give time to assess whether something's worth doing or not. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, you have these rules you have and you make sure you spend X amount of time with your wife, with each kid. And the, the last topic I want to touch on is, I assume you're also, you know, setting aside time to exercise. And so I want to talk about 
physical and then mental health, kind of how they're related. And you know, I get physical health. Is that on your, like you said, oh yeah, you ran a gym, but <laughs> talk about how you make time for that, how you, you know, and what that looks like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Years in the making because I've been, you know, ebbs and flows. And I went through a whole period where I wasn't doing any physical or mental health practices at all. So I have spent a lot of time dialing in what works for me and works for my family. So my non-negotiables every weekday is a 45-minute walk. I think every man needs time to himself. And this is technology-free. I spend the first 10 minutes with gratitude. And I have like what I call an extreme gratitude practice where I'm literally saying the things out loud that I'm grateful for for 10 minutes. That was really hard to develop. Um, John Gordon does it. He's an author. He said five-minute gratitude walk. I took it to 10 minutes. Then it became 15. Then it became 30. And I'm like, okay, I'm addicted to this. I got to cut it off. So I do that every single morning. That helps with the brain. I say that you either command your day or your day will command you. So I don't look at my phone. I don't look at my emails. I won't look at social media. I won't look at my project management system. I won't I won't look at anything that will hit, hit me with massive uh, release of dopamine. I want my natural body to kick in until I have finished that walk. So I got to get out there and do that. But I always work out every day too. I recently changed my workout schedule because my 14-year-old son came to me about nine months ago and said, Dad, I want to work out with you. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) no. He is there every single morning, like clockwork, before me in the gym. And he he is a beast. And he's been watching me work out and be consistent his whole life in the gym. So we have our own personal gym here. And so I've had to change it up a little bit. Now I go straight to the gym and work out with him. But the big things are keeping the phone, all the the dopamine um, creators out of my life for the at least the first hour of my day, making sure I practice gratitude. That's for mental health. There's almost nothing better. If you wake up and go with the thoughts that are on your brain, your, your negative emotions are going to run your day. There's just no way around it. You've got to reprogram. And I'm telling you what, if there's somebody who wakes up negative and not going to make it and things suck and it's horrible, I'm probably king of that. And so this has been a lifesaver for me. So working out, working out and working out in the walk every single day. On the weekends, I walk over an hour with my wife both days. So Wow. And, and when you say gratitude walk, I mean, you're, you're just thinking of things to be, that you're grateful of. That you're... I'm going through... Like I, I think of possessions, which is, you know, it's weird, but I think we really need to know that we, what we have is amazing. And then I go through my family, my wife, what things am I grateful for her? And I'll say these out loud, then I'll do it for each of my sons and then I'll do it through for my parents. And I'm not always the same. Sometimes it's free flow, sometimes it's formulaic, but I'm always listing as many things as I can that I'm grateful for. And then specific opportunities. Hey, I am so grateful that I got a paycheck from myself this month. I'm so grateful that I have a really awesome truck to drive around. I am grateful that I have a dog to walk who loves me and, you know, wags his tail every like just silly crazy things. If I see I mean I there's so much beauty in the morning. I'm like I'm so grateful for an amazing sun and the trees and the, the terra firma I'm walking on. Like all those things, like you just get crazy and you just go and you go and you go and Tell you what, it's nearly impossible to be grumpy after yeah. that. Almost impossible. No, I love that. That is so true. And it brings home such an important point that, you know, fatherhood has its highs, it has its lows. And even at its lows, when you're feeling really low, chances are you have a roof over your head. You know, hopefully you have three meals to look forward to or you can afford. I mean, a lot of our basics are really taken care of, you know, and kind of look at it and say, yeah, maybe things aren't great, but are they bad? How bad are they really? You know, and if you can, I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but but just reversing that, yeah, and inverting it, like you're doing, and saying, you know, what can I be grateful for? What, you know, 
and it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to have ups and downs, but um, to recognize them. And, and that's kind of what you're saying, both with your time, you do the time audit and kind of don't give yourself the opportunity to let your random thoughts create, <laughs> you know, your monkey thoughts create that type of day. Whereas you want to create a day that you run, you know, not the day that runs you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's just a reframing. I, I almost have to tell the story every time. There's a reframing that us men need to have. Other people have done this and they have their own sayings, but I call it the way of the bison. Um, and I have a, if, you know, there's a picture of bison behind me. There's one over here. There's one everywhere. They're everywhere in my house. So the way the buffalo or the bison respond to things in their lives. So mostly what we're referring to is, is storms coming over the Rocky Mountains. So these storms will come over the Rocky Mountains and they're life-threatening storms. We're talking about snow. We're talking about heavy winds. We're talking about it'll kill you. So when these storms come, there's two ways to respond. And I'm getting somewhere with this. The cattle will turn and walk away from the storm. But you know what happens then? That storm catches up with them and they keep moving and they're in the storm longer and many of them die in these big storms. The bison will actually turn towards the storm and start running. And it'll run and it'll run right into the storm and through it. And so I keep this story on the top of my mind every day. Now, do bison suffer from this? Yes, some of them die. Some of them, but, but much, much, much less time in the storm and much less harm than those who run from it. So every single day, if fear pops in, if I'm struggling with my kids, if I'm struggling with energy, how do I attack this head on? And this is why you need to listen to podcasts and books because you need to have the tools to know what that looks like. What does it mean to run into the storm? So anytime something comes to me, it's like, I'm, I'm going to be like a bias and I'm going to turn towards this and run into it and get through it as fast as I can. That can be for hard conversations, do them right away. And then my, my good buddy, Josh, who we've talked about said, hey, Scott, one other thing about bison is, do you ever see them alone? I'm like, not really. They'll, they might wander a little bit from, the guys might wander a little bit from the herd, but they work in herds. He's like, that's right. The brotherhood's a herd. The men in your life, those guys you call brothers are your herd and you need them. So you're going to not, you don't have to walk through the storm alone. So this is, this point of the story is, is life's going to bring you all sorts of crap and it's going to sling it at you every opportunity you can get. So walk with gratitude, get that gratitude mindset, and then approach the stuff that's coming at you with resolve and with wisdom. And a lot of times wisdom takes having a brotherhood who's someone who's gone through it before. That's beautiful. That's a, a great, that's just great about bison. I did, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good analogy or meta. I would get, get those confused or whatever, but um, yeah, you know, it's true. You know, when you face your troubles straight on, because it's not like you can, if you run with the storm or you avoid it, well, it could keep going. It just prolongs it. I mean, it, it's the same with, you know, forgiving somebody or being upset with somebody. You, you, if you just sit in it for too long, it's destroying you. And all these things, what is the answer? The answer is attacking it head on. Now, we have to be smart. There's sometimes when evasion is really important, but we also know that's maybe that's that there's certain circumstances. But when it comes to life as men, what can we best do to be the example for our kids? One, be okay with failure. Use your failure to teach your kids. Tell them about it. I've told these, all these stories to my boys. Like, I don't want you doing this. And it's over and over and over and over again. Then when they come to me with a failure, I'm like, okay, all right, what are you going to learn from it? Because it's not a failure unless you don't learn from it. And it's as parents, especially young parents, we want to keep our kids from doing the dangerous things. We want to keep our kids out of danger. We, wanna, we don't want them to get hurt, their feelings hurt. But guess what? 
that's building resiliency. And especially with you as their helm, you at the helm in the background, not saying, ooh, turn away from that. Instead of being like, ooh, they're going, oh, okay, that just happened. Hey, bud, what can we take away from this? And of course, you know, then they're up and running, but that builds up over time so that when they do become teenagers, they're super resilient. They're, they're just out there getting it. They don't make the team. My son didn't make something this. And he's just like, I don't care, dad. And I, hopefully what I'm doing is, is rubbing off and that's why, but he didn't make a certain band section in his band and he's good. And he's like, and he's, and he's going and he's going and he's going and he's challenging these guys that are holding the position he wants. And everyone calls him stupid. He's like, no, if I don't try, then, you know, I failed. But that's what we want in our kids. We want them to just go after it and it not affect their emotions. Sure, it's going to, but they want to have that resiliency of like, hey, how do I know if I don't know? I don't know. Like, you know, so I just think we have to, as fathers, have to embrace this now so that our kids can be successful, resilient, strong, successful, and leaders in their community. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great message to, uh, to end on, Scott. And I hope we all are, um, can live that and, and live that for our kids. You know, let our kids live those, those lives. So I appreciate, Scott, you joining us here again. You can find Scott online at the Brotherhood of Fatherhood on Facebook. It's a Facebook group, very popular. Um, and there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of other dads like us on there. So you should check it out. You should check it out. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us, Scott. And uh, until next time, we'll chat soon. Thank you, Will, very much. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on. Oh, <laughs>